Happy Thanksgiving. Further to what Kevin was talking about, and happy Thanksgiving to all of you on screen as well. For those of you who do not have access to a computer, and I'm not going to name anyone, Kathy, um, (laughs) there are forms by the offering plate that are exactly the same as the online form, so please feel free to fill it out, hand it to any one of the board members so that your nomination is heard. Uh, it is also on Church Center app, so if you don't know where that email went, you can just actually find the link right, uh, right next to the home screen in your app on your phone that you've also faithfully downloaded. It is Thanksgiving. Who here is thankful? Yeah. Who here has ever had a moment in their life where they absolutely forgot to be thankful? Yeah. I'm going to start today with a confession. I had a moment this week where all reason completely left me, and I absolutely forgot what week it was, and I actually went into a bit of a rant and completely lost sight of just how amazingly blessed I am. And the person who who heard the rant, and I don't even remember what it was about, I I guarantee it was nothing important, was Kevin, who by grace listened to me talk and, you know, talked me back from the ledge and then took me out for chicken wings. Rant to Kevin, you get chicken wings. And we just talked, and I calmed down, and I just started to remember, you know, life is probably not as bad as I think it is. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget that we have so many blessings in our lives. And it's so easy to forget that every day God fills us with those blessings. But we also forget about grace. And grace can be an incredibly profound thing when you see it in action. Now, my thing this week was relatively benign. The elders weren't called in. No one had to patch me up. It was a pretty simple situation. But I have seen leadership come flying apart in such a way where damage is done. A friend of mine was on a board many, many years ago, and he was really frustrated with the board of his church. And one day, he lost it in the middle of a board meeting. I mean, he exploded to the point where there was bits of board everywhere. And he ended up quitting. He ended up leaving the church. And and he had made an absolute mess of things. Unfortunately, he realized that about 24 hours too late. And the damage was done. And for many years after that point, he came back to church, he kind of sat in shame in the, in the pew, and, and he would listen to the sermons, and, and he was racked with this sense of guilt and shame and pain over having made such a colossal error in judgment. A few years after that, his name was put up for nomination to become an elder. And he, and he didn't really feel like he deserved that. 
but they talked him into letting his name stand. And to his surprise, he was unanimously elected to the board. And then even further to his surprise, the pastor on which he had exploded recommended to the board that he be made the chair for that term. And he accepted the position, and he stood in front of the church, and with grace and humility, was a completely different person. And one of the things I learned from watching that thing unfold in front of me was just how amazingly gracious the church can be when we get it right. And he led the church well, and and it was a story that really undergirded his ministry and the ministry of the church from that day forward. Because everybody knew that this was not a place where you were disqualified. It was a place where you were restored and where you were transformed. Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 2. And I invite you to open your phones or your Bibles and read with me. And I'm sorry I didn't get this up on, up on the screen today. We have been kind of a little bit behind today. But we'll work on that with the new computer you're going to buy us. Paul writes, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God. I want to pause there for a moment. But God. You see, when we explode and send bits of things off around us, we're actually simply acting in this old person that's inside all of us, the sinful nature that grabs hold of us and will not let go. It's that that would keep us in bondage. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, past tense, from the beginning, knows your name, knows all the dumb things you were going to do, and still chose to love you anyways. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. See, this is grace. This is the grace that lets me have a little bit of a rant to Kevin and get chicken wings. It's the grace that restores a board member back to board chair. It's the grace that allows us to run this multi-campus church even though we haven't got a clue what we're doing. It's grace that restores us back to relationship with God and with one another. Paul continues in verse 12, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of hope, and without God in the world. But now, I love the big buts in the Bible. I really do. Those moments where we're caught up, and we think it's like this, and then God comes and says, No. But, 
And we are called to him in Christ Jesus. You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh, his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. My friend was able to come back onto the board because the hostility that existed in his heart, in his mind, with others on the board, with the church, was laid to rest on the cross by the power of Christ. And this hostility no longer binds us And it no longer prevents us from engaging with the people we're called to engage with and with those around us. And this is grace. Paul jumps to chapter 3, verse 14, and he engages in prayer. And this, I think, is the critical thing of all of the things that grace brings us. It's this ability to actually talk to God directly. You see, this hostility that's been broken down, first and foremost, is the hostility that's broken down between me and God, between you and God, which means you can, like Paul, for this reason, bow down before him and talk to your Father in heaven. Paul says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Paul's saying that this God, this creator of the universe, who has called himself our Father, which is a profound statement, it's subversive, it's shocking, and it's entirely undeserved. And that's the grace. And he says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever, amen. And I could stop there and we could just sit and we could just contemplate that reality and it would be everything. Jesus has made a difference. You see, what Paul is saying is that we have a gap in our understanding about grace. I think most believers have a pretty strong grasp of past grace. We are saved from from a broken past, from our sin, from lost, from being lost, from being broken, from being in conflict with God and we're restored in that relationship. We've got a pretty decent concept of future grace that we will be restored to relationship in his presence for all eternity and there, I don't think a believer when you think about it would like 2020 to be the time he comes. 
but I think many of us struggle with present grace because Christ has changed everything, past, future, and present. And Paul is saying in prayer for us as the church, I pray that Christ's presence won't just be in you because you're saved, but it will be in you in power so that it makes a difference in your life today. You see, this is life at work. Prayer that is rooting itself in us that reminds us that life isn't automatic. It's filled with all sorts of challenges and pain. And so we bring it to God. This is the gift we've received from Him. The ability to engage in this restored relationship, this grace that so powerfully changes everything. It's relational to God and to one another. But it demands our willingness because I could have just stayed in the rant. My friend could have just stayed in the shame. And we could completely push Jesus out of our lives and try to do it on our own strength. But he's saying, don't. Paul is praying that we too will pray for that inner strength that comes through Christ. And it's centered in love. And it's a love that comes from Jesus and the power of the cross that destroyed the hostility so that love can pervade itself through everything in us, around us, between us. And I think in many ways this is true worship. You've heard me say it before, I'll say it again. The word in Hebrew of work and worship is the same word And so this idea of engaging in life becomes worship. And when it's infused with love and influences the way we interact with one another, I think that becomes the true worship that God is looking for. It's central to Paul's theme in this text. And I think it's actually the primary work of Christians to be peacemakers in a world that is filled with hostility. You see, we're permeated with Christ if we are believers. And Paul is challenging our perception of faith and saying, if your faith is this small thing, it's just this personal relationship with God, but it's not influencing anything else around you, then your faith is too small and your Jesus is too small. See, he's not looking for something or asking for something in you that is just this tiny little thing tucked into the corner of your soul. He's asking on behalf of all of us that God would infuse that within us. His spirit would come and that we would have this massive Jesus that would just ooze out of us and change our world around us. But it's got to be rooted and grounded in love because it's large enough to encompass all. This is not a small thing. But sometimes, and this week was was really what this was all about when I was complaining to to Kevin about really silly things. I lost sight of the fact that God's goodness fills me and fills everything else around me and I'm getting caught up in the minutia when I actually have the power of the king at my disposal. Wow. How could I forget that? 
You see, Thanksgiving isn't just the one day when we have turkey. As believers, we get to be thankful 365 days a year because God has made a difference through his son and the power of his spirit lives within us and this small Jesus tucked in the corner of my soul wants to burst out and become the Jesus that changes everything. Because I can still have chicken wings with Kevin, but I don't have to complain to get that. I can embrace this because this is sanctification in action. And this is the process of us becoming like Jesus. Now let's bring this back home. We've been talking about parenting. And last week we talked about parenting being a calling from God. And I think this applies to any calling that any of us have received. But specifically for parents, what we talked about last week, the job one, is to create a God consciousness in the life of another human being. You see, parenting is partnership in the soul formation of another. We can't do this alone. You see, God calls us to this task, but he does so by giving you what you need. So in this monumental task of parenting, I think there's five words buried in this passage that are really important for us today. They're faith, hope, truth, love, and grace. And you could argue that those are the five words that summarize the Christian faith. If you kind of figure out those five words, you're going to be in pretty good shape. But imagine, just for a second, imagine faith, hope, truth, love, and grace being the summary of your parenting. Imagine for a moment faith, hope, truth, love, and grace being the summary of of your parenting, or any other call for that matter. You see, I think if you're not guided by grace, you'll be guided by your abilities, and none of us are able enough to get the job done. So grace needs to be a central theme in what it means to be a godly parent. Now, I think this is good news, because I don't think God calls us because of our abilities, at least he didn't call me because of mine. You see, God wants me and he wants you and he wants our children to depend entirely on him. And that points to the power of the cross because it's not about my knowledge, it's not about my skills. In fact, whenever I approach my children as an able parent, I tend to come off self-assured and I fail to be tender. My son's not here today, but he'd be nodding. Because whenever I think I've got it figured out, that's usually the moment right before I need to go for chicken wings with somebody. See, God meets people who are humbly willing to admit their weakness. Because we need God. We need one another. And we need the power of the Spirit within us if we're going to actually accomplish this task that's been set before us. He calls, 
and he gives us what we need to do it. You see, in Scripture, Jesus is the only hero. He's the only hero in all of Scripture. All of the rest of the characters are flawed, deeply flawed. And that's the same for you and me. And he knows our limits. He knows that we can't actually accomplish this. And he works in us and he works through us, not only in spite of our limitations, but I think because of them. And in that humility, when we're actually able to say, God, I need you, that's when that power can make a difference. See, I don't think until we understand who we are or what we've been given, we're actually going to be able to do a task so big. You see, we're weak. And I don't know about you, but unless I engage with Christ, I'm not going to get this done. Now, it's been interesting as I've been going through this series and researching it and writing these sermons. I know I've been thinking about parenting and what it was like to parent small children and what it's been like to parent adult children and trying to think of all those tasks. But I'd be lying to say that I actually feel deeply that this is a pretty significant sermon series for me as I engage in, in the work of becoming your pastor. Now, I don't think I'm your parent but I think the monumental task that's been set before me and been set before us demands the exact same thing that God's talking about here for parents. You see, I need to understand how weak I am and who I am so that I have any hope of being your pastor with any sense of integrity because I can't do this unless it's through and in Christ by the power of the Spirit. Otherwise, I will fail you And the moment I'm standing up here thinking that I'm able to be your pastor will be the moment right before Kevin needs to take me for chicken wings. I think this is abide. I talked a few weeks ago about abiding in Christ. This is abide. And there are days I want a tattoo abide across the back of my hands and backwards on my forehead so I can see it in the mirror. Just to be reminded at every given moment, abide, 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 because I lose sight of that. And if you're a parent like I'm a parent, I think tattooing that here and here and backwards on your forehead is not a bad idea because we forget so often. And the truth is, I need God more than I need anything else. And I don't think this is an accident. His intention was always for you to parent with him. And I think it's his intention that we would do anything and everything with him, whether it be parenting, pastoring, or whatever it is God's called you to do. And this is grace. And if we allow ourselves the moment to just sit in that grace, to reflect on what God is saying, I think our eyes will be opened. I know mine have been. Because God wants to expose your heart to you. He wants to show you you're actually more like your children than you would want to admit. You see, often we get so frustrated with our kids when they're not listening. So often, we teach them and they don't listen and they go off and do this stuff and we get so angry. And if you're anything like me and you're probably not, sometimes that is a rage-filled righteousness. 
which is an oxymoron. It's absolutely unrighteous. I'm not ashamed to say it. Again, my son's not here. But there's been times in parenting that I'd like a do-over. Because the anger that came through ceased to be helpful. And it can actually be destructive. You see, grace frees us to be able to admit that. Grace frees me to be able to say to you, I am an imperfect pastor. To say to my children, I'm an imperfect parent. Means I no longer need to fake it. And here's the thing. It means I no longer need to embitter my children or embitter my congregation because they can see I'm faking it anyways. And that's grace. Grace means that I can just be present. I can be rescued from my own evil heart because my children aren't the problem. I am. I no longer need to blame my children for my frustration. Their bad behavior needs to be corrected, but I need the grace transformation in my own heart so that I can deal with that the way God deals with me. Because I share the same rebellious, sinful, foolish weakness that my children possess. I share the same rebellious, sinful, foolish weakness that my congregation possesses. But Jesus rescues, transforms, and forgives so that I can too. Grace will change us as parents. It will change us as pastors. It will change us as workers. It will change us as spouses, as friends. Because we do all of these things in the middle of our own sanctification. We don't always get it right. But grace covers that too. We, as we parent, God is parenting us. Psalm 103.13 says, As the Father shows compassion to His children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. I think God's grace has made my heart more tender. I used to be quite harsh. And I think grace allowed me over time to become more gentle with my children versus the harshness that was there in the early years. And I think I was able to then figure out where my issues were. In Peace and Reconciliation, they talk about two types of issues, substantive issues and heart issues. And often, we think our heart issues are the issues that are the ones of substance, but they're actually not. They're the problems that I have to deal with before I can even begin to work on the other issues. And so often, when I've been in conflict with my kids, or with my wife, or with others, I forget I got to look first at my own heart before I can even begin to start to address the problems that exist between us. And grace allows us to actually stop. See, I think grace liberates us in so many ways. 
But I think the most important one for me and maybe for some of you is that grace liberates me from the prison of regret. I don't have to live with what if or if onlys anymore. I can live in the freedom that Christ has given me to say I've made some mistakes in the past. They belong to God. There are consequences for sure and I have to live with those but my regret is reshaped into a humility that says I'm not, per- I'm not perfect and I can actually humbly come before you with who I am and ask for your grace back. You see, grace, regret can become the sign of that humble heart. But if we live in regret, that steals our hope. And I think living in regret can cause us to forget the power of the cross And so grace frees us from that prison existence. If that's you this morning, if if you've got things in your life that you're regretting that have, have prevented you from stepping up, lean on Jesus. Give it to Him. Be like my friend who allowed His name to stand and ended up seeing God's transformative grace show up which made him one of the best board chairs I've ever seen, with the exception to Kevin, of course. See, <laughs> see, God can and does work in us and our children. And God hears when we ask. And as Paul says, he actually reads our thoughts. He does more than we can ask or even think. He's able to do all things. And he's able to do more. And he's able to do much more. And he's able to do very much more. Do you get it? I don't think we ask enough. I think God wants to do more in us, and I think he wants to do more through us in parenting or in any other place that God's called us. Because faithful, patient, loving, and effective parenting comes out of an understanding of this grace. And this grace will transform us in Christ Jesus our Lord. It will change the way I parent, the way I lead, the way I interact with others, and the way I interact with my own children. Present grace touches all areas of our lives. It's God with us. Emmanuel as I parent. And I think, as I've said, this is transformational. And it's both the source of our our life-giving parenting, and it's also the goal for every human interaction. And I pray this grace shapes you this morning. And I pray that your parenting will become deeply transformative as you seek his face. Father, thank you that you parent us as we parent our children, as we lead in our workplaces, as we engage with our families, our friends, in our community. Father, I pray that every person here would have a fresh sense of your presence and your grace.
that faith and love and hope and truth would be the, the very definitions of the calling that you've given them. Father, thank you for the love that you have given us, for the power that is within us if we only ask. And Father, I would ask this week that anyone who is in the prison of regret would be released once and for all. We ask this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Spirit, Amen.